Hear the word of our Lord from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, beginning in the fourth verse. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hear the word of our Lord again from Proverbs, the 30th chapter, the 20th verse. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome back to our Sex and Marriage series. Last week we covered a simple, if potentially difficult, way to go out and get a wife. Clearly for all young men, that is important. But the moment you bring that up, these simple ways to find a life partner, a spouse, then the question becomes, well, how do I pick the right one? And furthermore, how do I keep them? Let's talk about that first one today. Because there is a massive hang-up based on statistics. And I know there are lies, damn lies, and statistics, as the writer says. But the issue is, young men today reasonably ask the question of, is this worth it? I've made my case to say, yes, it is. It is absolutely worth it to get married, be married, and stay married. But there's a big, big, big asterisk there. I have to address the divorce elephant in the room. Everybody knows, and if you don't know, you should know, the divorce courts are obviously stacked against men. Laws are stacked against men, and if you try to protect yourself with a prenup agreement, well, the courts can throw that out very easily. So if you marry a woman, you're madly in love with her, she seems to be madly in love with you, and then she uh, later on decides she's not happy, <laughs> as the these boots were made for walking, why most divorce filers are women, study demonstrated. Uh, if she's not happy, then she can just blow up the family. Our Western societies have given women a big box of TNT and a plunger with which to, at any time they so choose, destroy a family, destroy a marriage, take most of your stuff, and then you have to pay her for the rest of your life. And that's provided that you don't go to jail over some trumped-up charge of abuse, because the Duluth model of abuse in relationships, which most law enforcement goes off of, and there are plenty of lawyers out there willing to teach a woman how to convince herself that she was abused in a marriage, and therefore, because he yelled at her once, now she gets to ruin him for life. Completely. Totally. When a woman goes into a traditional marriage, she has to accept a risk. Because she is going to be depending on that man, this husband, for all of her needs. For where she lives, what she eats, the clothes she can buy, 
where she goes. She is entrusting her entire life to one man. Now, with the divorce courts and the laws being what they are, every single man has to accept a major risk that every single woman, whoever he marries, can just on a whim blow up his life and ruin it. The standard response in the pickup artist community and in the manosphere is to say, marriage is a sham then. I don't want anything to do with marriage. I need to run away from that. And, you know, I just really got to work on me from now on and maybe have a long-term dating relationship. But at the end of the day, really, it's going to be mindless hookups. Enjoy the decline. Here's the problem with that, though. You're going to die alone. If you accept the moral frame that marriage is a total scam and sham and should always be avoided and don't ever get attached to a woman, don't catch the feels for her, and definitely don't enter into a sacred covenant of holy matrimony, you're going to die alone. You are going to have nothing. If you happen to have children, you will not have custody over them. You will be permanently estranged from them and you will have no relationship with them. If you accept the frame out there of these people who say do not get married, be ready to experience crushing, deadly loneliness every single day, even if you're dating somebody for year after year after year after year. Nihilism is easy to start, but hard to finish, and this applies to relationship nihilism as well. Most men understand this, and we all want the companionship of a spouse. We are built for it. This is something that God puts into you at birth, that you are going to desire the companionship of the helper suitably made for you. A woman, a wife. There's nothing wrong with saying that, and most men these days want the traditional marriage lifestyle that our grandfathers had, that our great-grandfathers had. Sure, their lives weren't perfect, but that was an amazing part of their lives that most of us just don't get. Now, unfortunately, we covered last week, it's not as easy to go get married and have a traditional marriage as it has been in the past. What do you do? You gotta go out hunting. You gotta go out and find a woman. You gotta go out and woo her. You have to start a relationship. Uh, keep it in your pants the entire time until you've put a ring on her. And then finally, after lots and lots of effort, you are married. Men these days, seeing that, they ask themselves, okay, I could choose the nihilistic pickup artist route, but that's not going to work. I want a traditional marriage and family. But those statistics and the, the laws concerning divorce and stuff is so dangerous, so I need to find a woman who is virtuous. The Bible extols the virtuous wife, right? I need a woman that is like that. How do I get that? Where are the good girls that aren't going to blow up my family and ruin my life? And if you look at the adultery rates, it seems to be that the majority of people committing adultery in marriage these days are women. How do I find a good girl? Great question. So I have said it's good to go where the women are. The coffee shops, the yoga studios, the dance halls, going to places where women like to be and do stuff. 
And yes, by all means, you should be looking at church, but chances are, given the demographic problems in the West right now, your church is full of old people and younger people who are already married. It is rough trying to get a wife at a church, at least as far as my friends have told me. So here's the problem. Guys will say, fine, I can go where the women go, but I've been hearing about this pair bonding thing. The best heuristic for a lasting lifetime marriage is if she's a virgin. If we're both virgins and we go to church regularly every Sunday and we even go to the Wednesday night Bible studies, that gives us our best shot at not getting divorced. You're right. Statistically speaking, the Institute for Family Studies brought this out and talked about an intergenerational uh, survey which showed that women with 10 or more partners were the most likely to divorce, but this only became true in recent years. I'm quoting here, women with three to nine partners were less likely to divorce than women with two partners, and women with zero to one partners were the least likely to divorce. While the statistics can get goofy and confusing, sometimes they all bear out that if you are your wife's first or her second, then you have the best chance of having a marriage that lasts your whole life until death do you part. But that leads to a pickle of a problem. The sexual revolution has guaranteed that most people in the world, at least in the West, are not virgins. And you can't just go out and find a virgin. You would be weird if you went around holding a sign or just asking random women that you had on a date about their sexual history. Especially if you say, by the way, it's a deal breaker if your body count is more than zero. You just can't really do that in the modern world. Is it right to say that fornication is a sin? Yes, and I believe in this era it is one of the chief sins out there for the sheer destruction that it has unleashed upon our society. But if you're looking for a wife and you're talking to women and interviewing them, chances are you're just not going to find a virgin. Unless you're that creep that's waiting until a girl turns 18, and if that's you, you need to stop. That's weird behavior. And by the way, that problem is still going to be there even in church. Christians are sinners too, and a Christian woman, chances are, if she's around your age, has a body count that is more than zero. It is unfortunate. Virgins are rare. That said... This is going to lead a lot of guys to assume that this means their marriage is doomed if they get married. That's not the case, statistically speaking. We know that. You can have a successful, lifelong marriage with a woman who had three or four partners before you or something like that. If somebody was the town bicycle, it's a different story. That's obvious. But... You know that, and I know that. You can have a successful marriage, but there has been this weird narrative that says with each successive sexual partner, 
a woman loses the ability to pair bond. Now, what is pair bonding? It is the uh, hormonal elevation of oxytocin and the attachment from that that somebody has with their sexual partner, particularly a spouse. So two people that get married, if they have no sexual partners and no romantic partners before that, chances are their marriage is going to do very well because they are locked in with one another and pair bonded to a high degree. Ask me how I know. I've been married for almost 10 years now. My wife and I were virgins up until our wedding night. Yes, it's great. You are fully locked in, zeroed in, attached to that person. But if somebody spent a few years before then with another sexual partner, and then that gets broken off or there's a divorce, and they find themselves with a new spouse, they have spent a lot of hormonal investment and neural pathways on another person, which means they will be less capable of doing so with this next person. Or so the narrative goes about pair bonding. If you Google pair bonding, it's all over the internet because this is kind of a new topic. People have been trying to explain why is it that the N count of a woman seems to lead to different results of marriage, whether they are successful or not, and why is it that the lower the N count, the better for her marriage? So we get to this theory of a physiological inability to pair bond for women who had a wild phase, or a uh, hoe phase, as the kids are calling it now. If she slept with a bunch of guys, she's going to have a bad chance. I'm not convinced that's necessarily the case. Because you're looking at it statistically, and you are looking at nothing but the statistics when you talk about this kind of thing. Yes, you're trying to explain why there is this difference here, but there are plenty of marriages that are going strong where one or both partners had people they had sex with previously. So obviously we can't just chalk this up to all being the same thing. People are not so monolithic that statistics always bears down and controls their behavior. I think we're looking at it from the wrong angle if we look at it from just statistics and try to explain it through physiological means. We're forgetting that people are not just biological. Let's look at this from a little bit more of a sociological angle, some common sense. Not that sociologists have common sense, but we can just talk about the circumstances concerning these relationships. If you start dating a girl, who has had a few relationships prior and she slept with half of those guys, you're looking at somebody who has baggage. She might have a knock on the door or a phone call from an ex-boyfriend that gets drunk and starts pining for her again. Or he left her when she was madly in love with him and while she eventually moved on, him coming back after he realized it was a mistake to leave her means that, oh man, it would be an actual temptation for her to leave you and go back to that guy. 
Yes, situations like that have happened. This gets more complicated when you bring in kids and visitation rights that guarantee that you would have to interact with this ex. That tells us a little bit more why marrying a virgin, a girl with an encounter of zero or one in some cases, you find yourself with better chances of staying married basically forever. She does not have that baggage. She has less temptation, and she is not going to be interacting with an ex because she doesn't have exes. Now, let's apply this. If you date a girl and it turns out she has dated other men or been in relationships with other men, something that tells you she is a better woman than others is if when you say, listen, if you're going to be with me, you can't be talking to these other guys. You had a past with them. I don't want that temptation introduced. If you say that and she goes, oh, absolutely, I want nothing to do with them. If she doesn't even have their phone numbers anymore, if she deleted all her pictures of them or whatever, and she is willing to play ball in totally forgetting those guys, you've got a woman who is willing to actually take you seriously as a prospective marriage partner. That is a mark of a good character. Now, you would say it's a mark of a bad character that she has fornicated in the past, and I agree with you question though how much porn have you watched and are you a virgin if you answer yeah you've watched porn and no you're not a virgin you're not really in a place to say this person is a hundred percent just a terrible person because they did what i did you need to understand that you don't deserve a wonderful pure virgin girl if you have done this in your past. Don't fool yourself. And if a woman has a past like yours, let's say and count plus or minus two, who are you to judge them? Who are you to like look down on them? And you could say it's different for, between men and women, physiologically, socially, behaviorally, except that that's not how God sees it. It really isn't. Be mature about this. If she has a past, like you have a past, well, then you can tell yourself, I am trying to be a better man than I was. I am turning away, literally repenting of what I did. I want to make sure that this woman has also done the same. If that's the case, you say, I got a past, I turned away from it. And she says, listen, I got a past too, I turned away from it. Good. That's a mark of a good character, one that has been made better over time. But if she's still talking to her exes and she's still friends with ex-boyfriends or an ex-husband or something, <laughs> then avoid that person. Please do not date them. That is incredibly dangerous. This explains a little bit more, by the way, of why the higher the partner count the worse your chances. Because if a woman has been with many, many men, she has a mental Rolodex of guys she can talk to. It would take quite a lot of effort for her to, well, not associate with them anymore. Especially if she has very fond memories of them. But I digress. You gotta ask yourself, is she a better woman than she was when she was with these other guys? 
And while you're dating her, here's where we have to talk about the psychological angle. Can you process retroactive jealousy while you're dating and in courtship with her? This is an incredibly important thing because a lot of these marriages with a past before these two got together, they suffer from retroactive jealousy. And this one is a relationship killer. A man gets married. He thinks he's totally fine with his wife's sexual past, and then he starts thinking about it. You see, he knows that mentally, maybe just a little bit, she's comparing him to her previous partners, and now he starts comparing himself to her previous partners, and he gets anxious. He gets this OCD reaction to the very thought of it, and it makes it difficult for him to love her as a wife, let alone trust her, because he's always worried that she is going to pine after one of these other guys. Or he thinks to himself, well, this means that she was a slut and that means I can't trust her to be faithful in the marriage maybe she's gonna find some other guy did she break up with them for stupid reasons she might break up with me for stupid reasons can you work through that while you're in courtship because she needs to be honest it is a marriage destroyer if it turns out that she had partners she didn't tell you about or she had a bunch of one night stands or she did porn or something like that and you didn't know about it. So many guys already get themselves into trouble when they marry a woman who had this wild past and they do know about it. Because suddenly they expect her to, well, give her sexual best and they never establish with her that she should be willing to do that. They just kind of expect it instead of talking about it. The assumption is, listen, you gave your best sexual performance, your best, most passionate lovemaking to these other men. You can do that for me. And it really should be for me because, well, we're married. This is a sacred covenant. And the female doesn't necessarily know that, nor was that ever said. And a lot of times, if he does start bringing that up, when they are already married, uh, well, she feels like, no, that's just not me anymore. I'm disgusted with myself. I hate myself for what I was, and I never want to act like that ever again. Oh, that is a marriage killer. Times ten if he didn't know about it before they were married. It is a mark of great character and a reformed character if a woman is honest with you about what she has done in the past. And you need to return the favor, by the way, and be completely honest with her. If she tells you that she is embarrassed and ashamed of herself for sleeping with some guy she met at a party in Cancun and she never even learned his name... You need to return the favor and tell her about that one time that you spent five and a half hours watching porn or decided to visit one of those uh, massage parlors, as it is euphemistically called. It's really just a whorehouse. Everybody knows that. You need to be honest about it, too. Fair is fair, and this is something God wants the both of you talking about, so there are no dirty surprises. If a woman just tells you about this stuff... If she is willing to be 100% honest with you, then you are going to be able to trust her to tell you the truth if she's being tempted towards something bad. Now, as you can tell, I've been 
leading this conversation towards something, towards a conclusion. And we're going to explore that conclusion next week. But here's what it is. You got to accept reality. We don't have to accept a bad future. If your current trajectory is being alone, jobless, uh, living with mom and dad while they resent you for the rest of your life, and maybe you have some soulless hookups from some three out of tens that you're going to pretend were better, and then you die sad, alone, and bitter, if that's your trajectory, you don't have to accept that. You do not have to accept the future. You can work towards something better, towards a marriage, towards a family, towards a world that is better for you. But you do have to accept reality as it is before you can do anything about the future. If you don't accept things as they are and deal with reality in order to achieve your goal, you are never going to get anywhere. And this is where I've met so many young men who say, I shouldn't have to do this. Well, okay, but if you want a good future, you need to deal with this reality as it is. Let's go over that. Let's look at the vital possibilities that you can achieve while dealing with the world as it is. This includes our hang-ups over potential life partners, wives, spouses, potential mothers of our children in learning who is good and who is bad. Obviously, a lot of this stuff goes without saying. You don't date a woman who is not a Christian. Scripture says, do not be unequally yoked. And you do want to, if you can, find a spotless woman with an end count of zero. Just like how you yourself should have an end count of zero if you're not married, as the scriptures proclaim. But bear in mind that that might not be what God has for you. That might not be the opportunities God has presented to you. Part of maturity is dealing with the situation you have as it is and accepting what is while working towards something better than what is. That includes the people we choose to associate with, to date, and to court, and then eventually to marry. We are going to explore more of the spiritual side of that and why this is so incredibly important next week because you can't forget that you are trying to get married. And being a husband means being a priest of a family where you are responsible not only for getting your family to church, but also for representing law and gospel to them and taking responsibility over their sins and making sure they are actively part of the process of sanctification. This is all incredibly important, and it is stuff that overcomes somebody's past. You can't deny the past. You can't deny what has happened. You can accept that it has, and then work on defeating their past. This is part of being a warrior. We'll get into that more in detail next 
week. Until then, our Lord bless you and keep you, and please feel free to email me with any objections you might have. We'll get into it even more, though. Amen and amen.